Welcome, guys, to a new podcast. We're called Sneak Peek Film Talks. Uh, we're going to be talking about some uh, up-and-coming films, and we're going to be talking about older films. We're going to be talking about everything, man. Everything film-related, everything video game-related, everything. everything in the world, man. We're going to be talking about all kinds of things. World domination. Um, yeah, yeah, just the simple stuff in life. Um, we're going to be talking to... Kevin Floyd and Adam Barron. Um, Hello. They're both really cool. And we're going to have a special guest pop in later. Um, <laughs> okay. But uh, why don't you introduce yourself, uh, Adam Barron? Oh, okay. Um, I, hello. My name is Adam Barron. Um, I, do, I do writing and voice acting on, uh, as, a, as a hobby. Um, I also do a little bit of, you know, game coding, game design, that kind of thing. Um, yeah, that's it. Nice, 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 nice. Um, Kevin Floyd, why don't you introduce, uh, introduce yourself, brother? Introduce. (laughs) Um, hi, my name is Kevin Floyd. I make posters for loot under slave labor and (laughs) I am going to college for advertising. Hmm. Yeah, I especially love '80s films and special effects. Nice, 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 nice. That is great. That was a much better and more to the point introduction than I managed, which is um, very not good because I said I'm into writing and I could not form a good sentence. So, <laughs> <laughs> great track record. So far. A little yeah. scary. At Can least we... I. My excuse is that you're studying advertising so you're, <laughs> you're better at you know pitching yourself that's my excuse i haven't started a single class yet i'm only good with words when i have a lot of time to write them <laughs> so did we introduce everybody uh yes yeah well luke you didn't really introduce yourself oh well <laughs> my name's luke evans um i'm a film director you know i've made uh some little small project called a uh, local hero. You might've heard about it in the, in the back of a, of a, of a diner or something, but yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. I'm a film director and I like hanging out with these guys. We talk film, we actually work together and we write stuff. We throw ideas around the room and we just love the creative process behind it. And so we're trying to dive more into it. And we thought this podcast during the quarantine would be something fun to do. So uh, here we are. Mm-hmm. Here we are. Speaking of quarantine, um, I feel like I'm going insane. Yeah. <laughs> I gotta say. Yeah. I don't know. That's kind of all I had to say on that. That wasn't no. an introduction to a topic or a segue or anything. I was no. just... I bet a lot of people a lot of people agree with you right now. <laughs> yeah. It depends on the per- some people see it as a blessing, some people see it as a curse. I mean yeah. well, it's just... you know, I I uh, I realized I realized that I woke up and I was in bed for a couple hours and I realized I've been going between lying down and sitting almost exclusively for about two or three weeks. Mm-hmm. And I had an excuse when my exams were still going on because it could be like, well, you know, I can't really go out and do much because I have these exams coming up. Um, right. Now I had, I don't have an excuse. Mm. <laughs> so yeah, um, that scares me. Yeah. I'm, I'm also getting out of exams like just, <laughs> and so now Jeez. I have no excuse. Yeah. So, uh, gonna take up my uh, my dad actually recommended um, rollerblading. Ah, yeah, roller, der- roller derby. 
No, no, no. Like <laughs> just rollerblading. Uh, I used to play hockey, and he says it basically carries over. Ah, uh, I could, I could have guessed. Sense. I could have. I, I wouldn't have ever guessed that a Canadian like you would be playing hockey. That's, it's that's it's fairly ubiquitous, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm sorry. Was that? No, was that that's, bad to that's say? not that's not <laughs> offensive at all. I, okay. Like, Just honestly, so I don't want to get canceled before. I don't want to get canceled before the show starts. Yeah, you fat. <laughs> no, it's 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 really Look. like it really is the sport. Like a lot of a lot of people play hockey. Um, it it looks interesting. Kids. I would actually like to play yeah. it for once if I knew how to. I could probably do it on rollerblades. That'd be fun, but well, I don't know you, how to ice skate. It's apparently it's the same, <laughs> apparently, okay. um, except stopping. <laughs> oh uh, yeah, it doesn't have like skates don't have a brake, so uh, you kind of have to shift your weight and turn on the edge of the blade, and it stops. It's it's really good. Okay. It's really nice. fun, 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 okay. fast paced. Yeah, fun, fast paced. So, so, quick question, boys. So, what was a a film or television show or just something artistic that really sparked your, your, your interest in, um, the film and all that jazz. Why don't, why don't, why don't you go first, Adam? Well, I don't know. Uh, for me, what started with writing actually wasn't a movie. Um, oh, okay. it was the original paper Mario on the Nintendo 64. Oh, and what I loved about classic. that game was, was the character writing. Mm-hmm. Was there was just so much humor, and you got a sense of who these people were inhabiting this world. And so when I got into writing, the first thing that I really started polishing um, was my character writing and my dialogue. And it mm-hmm. took a long time until I started thinking more about like working on themes and proper world building and storytelling and you know pacing the other important stuff but um i had my dialogue down pretty early on which is tough Dialogue's that's tough. awesome so yeah man that's yeah. that's that's a good story that's a fun game too i would actually like to go back and finally beat it <laughs> that's a, oh, a good yeah. one um, so kevin what's what's your story what about you um well i personally grew up collecting old vhs tapes like star wars and back to the future and I think that's where I got my like sort of interest towards it because you could tell because the special mm-hmm. effects back then they were they, you can tell they were clunky, but they had like a sense of like purity to them, you know. Oh yeah, I mean they still like, hold up to this day yeah. like, in their own sense way. Of, it's either gonna be slightly campy or it's gonna look really good, and it like now CGI, it's like you you have that sense of you can mess it up and then take everyone out of the movie. But back then, it's just like, okay. You, you could tell what's going on. You could tell they had yeah. their heart into it. Yeah, yeah. It was a different... I mean, it was the starting point for a lot of things to yeah. come today. I mean, that's pretty I, crazy. Yeah, I do think it's somewhat of a... Like, I think you're right that they can really basically fix almost anything in post now. But mm-hmm. um, the problem is when directors rely on that and they approach... Much. Yep. They approach mm-hmm. making their film with... They'll just do this in post without thinking about how they'll do it in post. You, Justice League. <clears throat> well, and, um, even movies that it's end up having movie. really good CGI, like Chappie. Chappie had yeah. really good CGI, yeah. but the problem was the director 
basically just said, well, we'll just put we'll this guy out. in like a green screen suit and it'll paint be fine. Paint him out every scene. Oh, gosh. Yeah, but yeah, didn't think about stories for those. Didn't think about artists. like when actors had to walk behind him, right? Mm -hmm. So when you have to walk behind a guy that's being green screened out, when you green screen out the guy, you green screen out the actor behind them too. And it's yeah. easy enough when you have like pictures of the set that you can compare it to. You can just superimpose the set behind the CG character. But when you have a person that's moving and the lights bouncing off of them in weird ways. So the, the studios, multiple studios that had to do the CG for that film, it was a nightmare for them. And it all came down to the fact that their director just had the mentality of like, oh, well, they'll just do it in CG, right? Like without thinking about how they would. Yeah, agreed. So, like, like take that versus like, like let's say something like Jaws. Like let's just say another kind of creature, oh, you know, that's a robot yeah. and that's a that's a shark. Yeah. They actually had to build the shark. Build shark. Yeah. Deal with the problems. Yeah. I, and yeah. they had to film it and Spielberg, yeah, and Spielberg had to film it a certain way rather than what he thought it was going to be in his head because, you know, at least I'm thinking this, you know, he probably had some different ideas, but he's like, oh, how are we going to get around the shark? And yeah, it actually sure. came out with a better product. For sure. Of, Mm -hmm. the more the suspense you get from not seeing the shark every shot. And that's what the other Jaws after, after like Jaws 3 and everything, that's what that suffered from. It showed yeah. the shark way too much. And um, that's, that's kind of like the difference of the era that we live in from now in the past. And like, like kind of like Kevin was talking about. Yeah, I think CG is an amazing marvel. I, I don't agree with the concept of it's better when you do it practical. So cause there's certain things that you just shouldn't do practical. Mm -hmm. uh, because it's impractical to do it practical, but mm -hmm. um, but if you're springing for realism, you should definitely go practical. I don't. I don't even necessarily agree with that. There's. I think it. I think it depends depends on the story, and it depends on the effect that you're trying to achieve, mm -hmm. right? Because some things you can do them practically, but the thing about practical is, um, it looks really good on camera because mm -hmm. of you don't have to worry about, um, you know, if if you want moisture to fall off of like your monster's head you just put water on it because it's real right you don't have to worry about how the lighting looks it's not going to look goofy reflections can be real because it's all real but um you watch older films uh like older monster movies like alien or the thing you know they do look really great but um one of the problems that comes with practical is because you're doing all these props and these effects it mm -hmm. tends to move a little clunky you can't get that fluid movement that you can with cg because it's, it's the art of animation right like i agree you know. have you i think that brings up a good point um right when you're talking about like i think a mixture of have you seen there's some movies that mix them together and it oh, yeah. ends up really good i mean the recent thing i've seen is like mandalorian yeah uh where they mix a lot of the lot. yeah yeah the original star wars did that where he's like had made them agree yeah and stuff and then they screen screen them in i think it's the lighting set and stuff like that yeah oh yeah i think that's the, the mixture of that is really i think that's spot on like i think that's the best i've seen is when it's a mixture you know it's two yeah. different types of doing special effects and when they they cling together like that and hold strong together um it really makes a good final product yeah i i don't subscribe to the the complete like oversimplification of either way oh practical is better or ocg is better mm -hmm. i think yeah. you know thinking back to why we said jaws works right jaws works mm -hmm. because they had to think about the shark and i think what happened was back in the 
70s, 80s, and early 90s when, you know, most, if not everything, was done practically, you know, mm -hmm. everything because you kind of had to for the most part. Um, yeah. When, when the effect is something that's in front of the camera, the director has mm -hmm. to think about it. They're forced to think about it, right? Yeah. So it's, you know, unless the effect stinks, it's harder <laughs> to screw up. But when, you know, you live in the modern era where everything is done with CG, if the director, the director doesn't have to necessarily think about it all the time because they know that something's going to be made, right? Yeah. But it it only works when the director thinks about how it could work, right? Mm -hmm. Agreed. How, totally. how should I shoot this so that this effect looks as good as it possibly can? And that's why the best the best is a mix of, of the two because a mix of the two only happens when the director is consciously thinking, right? Yeah. If the director just goes like, I really like a lot of Christopher Nolan's films, but um, he decided to do most, if not everything, practical for... Oh, yeah. That's for, just his... Um, mm -hmm. the, the Dark Knight. And i got to be honest, I do not like the truck flip. Everyone talks about the truck flip. <laughs> wow, they really flipped a truck. I'm like, yeah, but it looks goofy. It's not, it's not how a truck would flip. Yeah. It's just, it's just strange. If anything... <laughs> yeah, I mean, I never mind. I'm not going to say that. But yeah... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I think I think Christopher Nolan, I think he's got a really cool approach with how he does things. Like um I've seen that he even takes the camera. He doesn't even I at least I don't know if this is 100% accurate, but there was a shot with Al Pacino that I saw and he didn't want to use a zoom lens because he felt like it was off. So he actually got the camera right in Al Pacino's face. Mm -hmm. And uh the rest of the little clip I saw Al Pacino was talking about how weird it was at first for him but it actually made it more interesting. And he actually said he enjoyed that a little better yeah. coming out of it. Um, it just, it depends on how you're going to shoot it. What's the story behind it. And I mean, every director is going to have a different direction. So mm -hmm. I think, I think he's got some unique ways of doing it. Like the whole inception room, yeah. whenever he's like flipping the room, it's kind of cool. But then like you were saying, there's a, there's a truck flip. Yeah. Before, you know, everyone's, I, every, I, yeah. I, I it's, should word that differently, by the way, because I said that's not how a truck would flip, but they actually flipped a truck. But I, I what I meant was like it's not the way that it's the way that it's set up in the scene. Mm -hmm. It's supposed to be like pulled under from the front by a winch cable, mm -hmm. but you can clearly tell that they pushed the back up with some like explosive or something. Right? <laughs> it's a it's a physical stunt, and because they were so committed to doing it physically. Mm -hmm. They had to flip the truck in a way that doesn't make sense with the context of what's going on in the scene. Yeah. So it's, in a way, it's impressive because they flipped the truck. But in another way, it takes me out of the scene because it doesn't look right. You know? Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I think being... I can understand that. Yeah. I think being overly committed to doing things practically can be a detriment. But so can the mentality of I don't have to think about the effect because it's just going to be CG, right? That's yeah. how you get stuff like Scorpion King, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. That's why I think I, if I, if I had the opportunity one day, I think I would try to do best of both worlds. Cause I think, yeah, yeah. I think both are very important art forms in their own way. And they're both mm -hmm. very different from like yeah. a makeup artist versus someone on a computer. But mm -hmm. in, in fact, they're doing kind of the same thing in a way, just in two different ways. Oh yeah. Um, and I think that when you mix them together, it's just, 
it's just the best way to do it. It just and that's the thing. You have to it's the director who's behind the camera who's like, all right, how should we do this? Talks to the other people on set, the DP and everybody, and you guys all just figure it out. And that's the fun thing about a creative process. Mm -hmm. Um mm -hmm. I I also think it's kind of the the duty of a of a good director mm -hmm. to make sure there's at least something physical so that the actors can interact with it. Yeah. Because it is I, I, I don't know if you guys have any experience in physical acting, do you or um sadly <laughs> oh okay uh what about you kevin uh me personally i have not had any yeah you have office being in don't bring that up we don't talk about that it's not my best of acting <laughs> i don't trust like that um but yeah um, I've, I've had to act in my own film uh, yeah because the actor called out last minute so jeez. Oh, yeah yeah. So, I mean, it worked out, but I, I can act if I need to, yeah. but it's not my strong suit. I'll, say, I'll just say I, that. Yeah, I just wanted to say mime work is really <laughs> tough and, and really something that you have to train yourself to do. And I don't mean, you know, classic mime stuff. I mean, I did a one-act um, for my, like a one-act uh, stage play for... It was my final project for grade 11 and um, it was called foul territory. And I kept getting hit in the head with baseballs, but the, <laughs> yeah, that was, that was the whole shtick was that I kept getting hit with uh, um, baseballs okay. and I had these gotcha. little, they weren't real baseballs. <laughs> okay. Um, and um, I actually had these little blood capsules that I had to like sleight of hand out of this thing that I had that I also had like tissue paper in so that I could wipe up the blood I like put them in my mouth and I bit down on them and it was fun. But um, <laughs> the toughest part of doing that whole 10 minute thing was the context is that we're watching a baseball game. Yeah. But if you look mm -hmm. out, there is no baseball game. There's rows of people in an audience watching you. So how do you, how do you mime like you're watching a baseball game and make it believable for an audience? And that's very basic. mime work is just following with your vision and uh, when the sound plays, you know, the like the ball getting hit and going away, you have to follow it. Not only do you have to follow it, but the person that you're acting with has to do the exact same thing you're doing. Mm. They have to know. Mm -hmm. So you have to be on the same page. It's something that you really, really have to practice. Um, okay. So my point yeah. is, if you don't have, say you have this big monster that you're, let's say they did a remake of Never Ending Story. Oh gosh. Um and please oh, don't Hollywood continue. Yeah, and they just decide everything is going to be 100% CGI and they have this young child actor have to have oh. have to interact with oh, sh uh what's the what's the dog <laughs> the dog dragon dog dog dragon. Oh gosh. Uh for, for... let me look it up. Okay. But let's say that's completely CG and they just give nothing for this child actor and you're supposed to like pet this cg monster's face the commodore it's, dog it would Sorry. it would it would look so bad because the kid you know if you don't give them anything if they're if, if you just give like a tennis ball for reference for the cg artist and nothing for the actor to play off of it looks garbage they can't do right. it right you got to at least do something like that's what i've seen a lot of um 
these these movies doing now um or in tv shows i was actually watching some clips off and i know you guys have your opinions about this but corridor digital they were doing a oh no <laughs> uh visual effects uh react i think video and they were talking about there's this show called i think dark morals or something it's like an hbo show oh hmm. i've seen i know what you're talking about the yeah use, like actual hand coordinated puppets in order to yeah animals. They're yeah CGI later it's yep and so they actually had the kid the the girl from logan's in it and hmm. um x23 i think or whatever but that might be wrong but the girl from Logan, she's in it, and she actually gets to interact with her little animal because everyone has like an animal that's their kind of like soul attachment kind of thing. I don't know everything about it, but Got she it. actually gets to work with that little puppet and have a reaction with it. Yeah. So it's not up to the imagination, like where are my eyes looking, what's it doing, yeah. and I mean that's what we see kind of in the early two thousands with some of our movies. Like they would have a CGI character, and they would have to guess where that character is. Mm -hmm. um, and some movies do it great. I mean, like Who Framed Roger Rabbit versus like another movie. Um, spit one out at me, guys. Uh, uh, didn't do it, or one that did do it. Bleh. That didn't do it. The I Woody Woodpecker one. film. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like like we're talking about. Basically, what I'm getting at is like Yogi Bear. Oh, <laughs> just trying to think of like yeah, Scooby Doo. Oh, don't even. Early two thousand Scooby Doo. Scooby -Doo. Scooby -Doo. I, I, fun movie to watch, but um, as a kid, I didn't see. Yeah, I, I get what you're how saying. How about how about Spy Kids three? <laughs> how about that? Okay, one? Spy. I love those yeah. guys. I'm just gonna say, like, I had to get him off Scooby Doo because I cannot trash talk Scooby Doo. I like at all. <laughs> like, I would I would feel horrible if I did. But Spy Kids is kind of another one. But I understand that, so we'll talk Spy Kids. <laughs> but yeah, Spy Kids. I mean, they pretty much. That's like an. A, an example of them using full like cgi i mean they didn't have like Much. like remember that scene where those bouncy little things whenever he went into the game like spy kids 3d he went mm -hmm. into the game there's like these tadpoles or something like that yeah. bouncing up and down he's like looking all over the place would you rather have a kid just looking around all over the place having the like the visual effects artist having to like go in and make stuff up kind of where kind of get where he's looking a little bit or would you rather have a kid looking at a, a puppet or a a little animal that they can get reference of and have like a better um acting experience with yeah. and also a better mm. result and so that's kind of where i was getting at i was just kind of mm, yeah referencing the two yeah and it doesn't even it goes beyond child child actors because we've been referencing child actors and it definitely yeah. does help because i mean well, was, i don't want to dog on child three. actors sorry the Spike Kids 3, it's still the same with the adults because you have the final yeah. battle scene with yeah. the adults. They're all looking up, but they're all looking up in the same direction. Oh, yeah. But you can mm -hmm. tell it's That's all green screen in. Yeah. yeah. So there are certain things where, you know, you get better at that that mime acting and that. And, and it also comes in that. But um, it's still, I, I think any director would agree that if you give your actors something to play off of, they will always give a more natural performance. Totally agree. Yeah. As opposed just to depends. nothing. Right. It depends on the direction. Mm -hmm. I mean, it depends on the reference and the direction and everything, how, how you're shooting. I mean, that's just the fun part of the creative process. How are you guys all going to work together to do this? Mm -hmm. What's the best result we can get? And I think we've seen movies return quite a lot to, um, to practical 
in recent years mm -hmm. uh, to at least some some practical yeah. right because there's obviously there's certain stories you, you you can't tell either infinity war or endgame practically it just wouldn't work right yeah but it right it part one and two um they tried to do a bunch of stuff practically and they would just do cg touch-ups like the the when he comes out of the fridge that was mm -hmm. a real contortionist and they just kind of touched it up a little bit to oh really it. Yeah, okay. it was a real contortionist. That's cool. And you can imagine being that. the kids in that scene and seeing this guy actually come out of this fridge, right, in a fashion somewhat similar to what we see because there's some stuff that he does that you just can't do <laughs> like, yeah, as, a, as a person that is living. Wait, you meant uh, he really bit his neck, like, upside down? <laughs> That's method acting at its finest. Dang. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm just looking at this image that has been put into. Um... <laughs> yeah, that's, that is the Sonic CGI reference. Oh gosh, here. I don't know how to describe this to the podcast listeners. It's um, the Sonic movie with this almost crash test dummy looking thing. <laughs> it looks a bit like a mix between a crash test dummy and some kind of like, like painted action figure. At least it's something to BDSM rubber at. suit. Yeah, <laughs> like, it, it looks like it looks bad. It looks bad. It looks like, like a little. I should not be seeing. It looks like a toy that was made in the factory and it didn't get painted all the way, so it's yeah. just all blue and it's got two tennis shoes on and it's just sitting and it's it's like a, a little toy that's blown up to like a little person. <laughs> but you know what? It would be good I have for a one. it. It would be good for the actors because it would give them an idea of where they should look. Like where his eye level is, right? Oh yeah. Oh my gosh, that one's hard. This one, the one we're uh, looking at now that Kevin it's, just said, it's, it's got fur on the, it. It's before they changed the uh, the design to the well, good one. To be fair, yeah. But to be fair, I mean, it's you just use it as a reference. They're gonna have to go back in and do anything, whatever. Anyway. Yeah. Um. But I mean, this one's got fur and everything. It looks like a five. Nights at Freddy or whatever. Scary. Kind of, yeah, a little scary little thing. Um, yeah, good thing there weren't a lot of kids in this movie because this would have probably scared some kids. That's a bad <laughs> yeah. reference for some kids. Um, spe speaking of the Sonic movie, uh, got, the Sonic movie got me thinking about video game adaptations to film. Mm, that's because historically, we all know they stink. <laughs> um, and so I recently, hear. Re yeah. Recently, with Sonic and Detective Pikachu, and I didn't see Detective Pikachu, but everyone said it was good, so I'm just going to assume it's good. Um, but I did I see Sonic, and was it good? I, I think it was pretty. Good. I think it was pretty good, but this, I feel like this is the first real kind of video really? game adaptation, in my opinion. I mean, I wasn't a big Pokemon person, so yeah. Detective Pikachu was more. Detective Pikachu had more to go on because I had the anime as well. Yeah, yeah. they used Poke um, Pokemon the first movie as an actual. It's actually that same timeline, so it's like hmm. they already have something to go off of. Well, Sonic just has. Mm -hmm. Well, and yeah, and this is what I wanted to talk about was um, I think Sonic went about it the correct way. Every time yeah. they try to make a video game movie, they try to turn the story of the video game into the movie. You okay. see that with you see that with Mortal Kombat. Um, oh, Assassin's Fighter. They tried to turn Super Mario into oh, a gosh. movie, which was ridiculous. Assassin's Creed, yeah. Um, Assassin's Creed, I fell asleep to that in the first yeah. 10 minutes, and I never fall asleep to a movie. 
all of the Resident Evil films. Well, yeah, the, the first couple, and then they just went off the deep end. Mm-hmm. Um, historical mm-hmm. Tomb Raider. Tomb Raider was basically just a recreation of the of the reboot. It was mm-hmm. it, like it was yeah. basically just the cutscenes from that turned into a movie, which is ridiculous. So, I hope you know, they do Uncharted right, though. <laughs> Sorry, that made me think of Uncharted, but yeah, oh Histo- gosh, that needs that needs to be a great. I want yeah. that one to be a. I feel like they've been going about it the wrong way. Historically, they've been when they mm-hmm. approach a video game movie, they try to take like actually literally translate like they would for a book, right? Mm-hmm. Take the source mm-hmm. material and turn it into a movie. But the thing about but game stories that. is that game stories are made to either fit a very simple premise, just just provide some context, yeah, 100%. yeah? or 100%. if it's if it's something that has more substance, like an RPG right it's meant to play out over several hours if not dozens of hours and you just can't condense it without losing what made it work so i think mm-hmm. sonic went about it in a different way they yep. looked at the concept of it's a fast hedgehog who fight a big <laughs> a big bad man with mustache and with that an was basically <laughs> that was basically what they took and then they took some flair they took like mushroom hill zone and green hill zone and, and yeah they some, made it its own references thing. yeah yeah but they they went off the concept rather than going off of the actual story. Yeah, I think that was a a great point. I, I think that's made. how you should do it. Yeah, I think that would be. I think they should all take tips from Sonic in a way. Mm-hmm. I feel like like you were saying. I feel like this is really a turning point for video game movies, and I really hope to see some really good adaptations. Mm-hmm. I think that would be a great thing. Like uh-huh. I was saying, like I would love to see Uncharted done really well. Like. Because that's that that's potential. got a good story. That's got yeah. a lot of potential because that that's a unique game where it's it's played like a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but then again, it could also fall into the same trap that Tomb Raider did, where they just remake it, one of the games, right? Exactly. But that yeah. but hopefully they take tips from Sonic and do <laughs> and do and in their own way, you know. And then you got um Super Mario movie, which is gonna be um was it Elimination? Elimination. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not. Unfortunately, I'm really not. I don't have too much hope for that. Yeah, that's. I mean, maybe they can turn around and do like a Super Smash Brothers universe. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, think, yeah. I think I think before Sonic came out, I would have said Mario is too simple a premise to make a good film. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think now, I, I think the biggest thing holding the Mario film back is that. We don't have, there's no precedent for a very talkative Mario since I would say the we'll Super Mario, Mario Brothers Super Show was yeah, probably the best Super example Show. of that. But in terms of the modern identity of the character with Charles Martinet voicing him, um, we really don't have a significant amount of, like, there's no game where he talks a lot, whereas Sonic has always been a very talkative character, right? Mm-hmm. Um, in all of his adaptations, as early as Sonic CD, they were putting voice lines directly in the game. And that was 1992. Yeah. So, oh, wow. Yeah, that was that Sonic CD was being made uh, at the same time as Sonic the Hedgehog 2. Hmm. Okay. So that's why we had they... two Metal Sonics. Huh? Both wow. at the same time. Yeah. Oh, no. Sonic 3 was. Oh, right. Yeah, because Sonic 2 had. Um... It wasn't Metal, Metal Sonic, Sonic, but it was like. What, what was it called? Let me let me look. Let me look up. Let me, I think it was like Mecha Sonic or Robo Sonic. Um, 
Oh, Christian, you guys keep talking. I'm just gonna Google. I've I've only played one Sonic game, and it was on the PS3. I I loved it. You just ride the rails and stuff. Silver so, Sonic, Silver Sonic, Silver Sonic. Okay. Yeah, but I never played the older ones, so I wouldn't know. They're like they you should try them out. Yeah. I played the older Mario's, but yeah, I'll you know, check it out. Yeah, you know what you should check out. Um, if you're not sure about like which one to get, I would say Sonic Mania. Okay. Yeah, I've heard that one before. It's it's like a greatest hits and it's a modern game and it's probably the best Sonic game out there, I would say. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. kind of that's sort of a hot take. Okay. Because people really like Sonic 3 and Knuckles, but I honestly think Mania is better. Why are we talking okay. about Sonic games? <laughs> well, I was actually You're talking uh, about Sonic I, movie. Just, I, yeah, the, I was back to the Sonic movie, like this popped in my head. Um I think I love what they did with the origin of him, like going back to how they they like they made their own story mm-hmm. with it and had references here and there. I love what they did with the little origin story of him being going like an alien just hiding on earth and just yeah. chilling and he had like an owl mom, which is really cool. And then she dies and like hey, it's yo, crazy. Yeah. I for like, some reason I have a feeling that the the owl was before the redesign. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, that's my feeling. I can see that but um it wasn't out of place i would say yeah it wasn't out of place oh was yeah like, it's just a bit more realistic in order i i like that they design, were but... very yeah. clearly attacked by like the echidna tribe which is very interesting yeah, that was really good and yeah, if that they ever really cool. yeah if they ever like say they do like a trilogy or something which would be awesome yo imagine we get okay hold up i'm i'm like i really like the sonic games and the whole universe that they have built around it what if in the sequel we get metal sonic dude oh my gosh that would be nuts and then we get sonic the movie three and knuckles and (laughs) featuring dante from the devil may cry series (laughs) tropical freeze mode (laughs) new funky kong oh Oh, gosh But um, <laughs> I think what they did with the origin of Sonic is like they took this video game character that everyone knows. And at, from my knowledge, I, you know, at me and Kevin went and saw Sonic together. And we talked afterwards because I oh, thought cool. as a filmmaker, I was like, oh, OK, they must have taken that from the video game or something. No. And then Kevin's like, no, that we know. No, we've never seen that owl. We've never seen this. And I was like, oh, wow. We've so they kind of like, owl. yeah, like we've. If, what? Yeah. Yeah. Like. If it was like, taken from anything, it would have been. I mean, it wasn't directly taken from anything, but um, the the baby Sonic thing gives me kind of Sonic Underground vibes, which was a show okay. in the oh. in the. 90s. I have no idea what you guys are talking about. Um, do you know about <laughs> Sonic Underground? I, okay, no, I, explain, I do not. Oh, do I need gosh. to explore the? Do I need, do I need to explain the lore of Sonic Underground? I don't. I don't think we should. I don't think we should dive into that. <laughs> Well, I, I, or should we get a, like a story writer's perspective on the Sonic yeah, Underground lore? Sure. Man. So I mean, basically, it's Sonic Underground is a story of Sonic. He has two siblings, <laughs> one's green and one's pink, and they're yeah. all children of a queen. <laughs> the queen, I can't remember if she disappears or gets killed. I think she gets kidnapped. Takes over. Oh yeah, she gets kidnapped, and then basically they have these musical instruments to fight a rebellion against Dr. Robot. Yeah, it's like a weird punk rock 
band that they're in that they use to f- fight in the resistance. And then while that show was going on, there was a much better Sonic show going on. Um, mm. You know, Blue Streak speeds by. Okay. Yeah. Uh, well, that's, that's not what it was cool. called. That's just the first line in the in the intro. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, the thing I was saying about the the owl is like. I think it's really unique how the the filmmakers and the writers like took and and made an origin story like they would with like when they write a random story that's not about a certain character. So they yeah. took it and made a made a good story with a popular video game character and it worked. Yeah. Um so that's kind of where I was getting with that. Um I thought that was really cool. Um, um all I can think of is now is that one episode of Sonic Underground has a foot fetish in it, and I cannot get it out of my head. Excuse me? <laughs> I, I never actually know. saw much of that show. I did see quite a bit of, um, like, just the Sonic the Hedgehog TV show with, like, Sally Acorn and, mm-hmm. and, and Antoine, that kind of thing. Of course, yes. Yeah, that's, that's the quintessential one. And then if you're, you know, on some hard drugs, Adventures of Sonic the Hedgehog is the way to go. Oh gosh! Don't do drugs. <laughs> Don't. I'm not endorsing it, but say you happen to find okay, yourself on something. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's just it's a complete fever dream. That show, it's insane. Actually, that would probably be the show you wouldn't want to watch on drugs. Oh gosh! You'd start freaking out because there's just a bunch of weird stuff. Oh gosh! Speaking of, I feel, oh I feel like Sonic Underground would have that one beat in terms of weirdness. Really? I feel like we're going down a Sonic loophole. Yeah, we're getting. Uh, <laughs> So anyways, um, art film versus blockbuster is what I have written on my piece of paper. Ah, okay. Uh, that's entertainment I, as foot fetish and Sonic Underground, but I'll take okay, it. Okay, all right. Anyways, um, I got, no, I got in a discussion with uh, some guys a few months back. They were talking about how much they liked The Lighthouse, and mm-hmm. uh, I still haven't seen The Lighthouse. But I still haven't. I've heard of really great things, though, so I'm kind of in your boat, too. Yeah. Have you seen it, it Kevin? I have not either. Okay, so we're all in the blue. We're all just complete frauds. I've um, seen it. Special guest, Aaron Weatherford, hashtag composer, hashtag no, no, stop, my stop. boy. Please stop. Please stop. No hashtags. Legal. Welcome, Aaron Weatherford. No disassembly. Composer of Local Hero and more. What yeah, I've seen the lighthouse. It's uh, it's pretty entertaining. I thought it was gonna be like some like, uh, highbrow like you know super deep, artsy fartsy. Uh, artsy fartsy. Well, there's a lot of farts. Thing. But no, there's. Uh, it's it's just fun to watch. Yeah. Okay. I've heard great things. I I've I've been meaning to check it out. But what were you saying about you're going uh, light? Oh yeah. Lighthouse? yeah, yeah. Um, they were talking about the lighthouse, and then they got in a general discussion about like indie film and stuff like that. Um, and I just kind of said, as a general rule of thumb, I usually prefer like pop culture blockbuster film to mm-hmm. a kind okay. of art house film. Sure, like, I, I what? Because because I'm super serious about film writing, and I'm like, honestly, I find it it's more fun to watch, you know. But it's it's not that you can't tell a story while also being you know fun and and dealing with pop culture and to me it interests me personally more i would much rather write you know an mcu film than some random um oh yeah you know i agree indie drama i don't know yeah i i agree with you i feel like 
I feel like, I mean, it just depends on the writer and the people behind it and what kind of story they want to tell. And if you want to tell big adventurous stories, then that's your, that's going to be something you, you, you watch. That's going to be something you're interested in. Um, and I think we are all, I mean, talking, I know you guys, I think we are all into those big blockbuster movies because it has a sense of adventure and just a, a fun journey that you're going to take with these characters. And I think that, I don't know. I, I mean, would you guys agree? Would you guys rather have like watch a movie like Lighthouse or a blockbuster? What what would you watch, Kevin? Um, that's a very good question because I feel like the movies I like to watch are the ones that have a clear, concise story that's easy to follow, but then mm-hmm. you can go underneath and see some underlying themes and like exactly what happened. Yep, exactly. Like, I want to say it now. Lego Batman movie, <laughs> best depiction of Batman. <laughs> it may be topped. Yeah. Let's see. Well, special guest Aaron, what do you? What would you prefer? Would you prefer a blockbuster or an indie? What are you? He's muted prefer? again. He's muted He's again. Muted. Oh my gosh! <laughs> special guest there. is gone. We had him for a minute. He we might had him himself. Um, if he comes back, we'll yeah. ask him, or we'll probably <laughs> talk about yeah. something else. I just. But, um, yeah, so, just, where is that conversation going with uh, the guys about the blockbuster versus? Oh, yeah, uh, they thought that yeah. it was very strange because they they know that I I do a lot of writing and uh, they they so like, wow really as a writer you prefer so they think because you're an independent or... writer you would draw I more would to the indie and to me writing, I, said, writing, I find it I think it's just about the fact that some people think that it's almost like they're of the opinion that you can't tell a story with artistic merit um, while also telling a story that is very marketable. I think that's silly and also just blatantly wrong. Okay. You know, Endgame and Infinity War, they, they um, tackle themes of loss. They're very much stories about people. Right. That was a great one. Yeah. I like a lot of the themes in that. Yeah. They go about it in a very mature way. Um, I'm sure that you could find, like they brought those kind of like in an indie film, there'd probably be a whole movie about the loss of somebody and somebody struggling to deal with that. But then Endgame kind of d- puts it's that in the movie. It. It's yeah. a part of it, and there's a bigger th- there's a bigger story going on, and that's yeah. part of the themes. Mm-hmm. That's you know, part of one of the underlying themes. It, it's not one or the other. It, I, yeah. Any pop culture film that is respected and enjoyed by people tells mm-hmm. some kind of story about people. Yeah. Because you can't, you if it's people. just a, just a superhero film that's just about the spectacle, doesn't work. It's something like I don't know, um, Thor: The Dark World, <laughs> or yeah. just think about any Marvel film or other movie that people don't like. And generally, it's not that they don't like it because the action's bad, though sometimes it is because of that. Um, most of the time they don't like it because they don't like the underlying story. A superhero movie isn't about the struggle between the good guys and the bad guys. It's about the struggles that they have as people. And sometimes that does come down to the struggle between the protagonist and the antagonist. But Mm -hmm. generally when you look at people who say they enjoy it, why do people enjoy Thanos? It's because he's at such an odds to um, the Avengers. Yeah. People have talked about this ad nausea. They talk about the fact that the whole point, the, the whole reason the Avengers lost was because they weren't willing to sacrifice the lives of, of 
the people that they loved in order to achieve what they perceived as the greater good. And the whole reason Thanos was able to do what he did was because he was willing to make that sacrifice. He thought that his purpose, his mission was so noble and needed to happen to the point where he was willing to kill arguably the only person in the entire universe that he loved and considered family to do it. Right. Yeah. That is why people like Thanos, because he's at such a huge, um, opposition uh philosophically to the protagonists that it just strengthens any physical um challenge that he presents them because it's not just a physical challenge it's it's a challenge of ideology at the same time it's no yeah right for sure yeah i i agree with you man um i think i i i think the thing that like you're saying the thing with thanos is like this awesome character arc with him and what he's doing and what he's going through in this big blockbuster movie and they take this theme of excuse me and they take that theme with him and they they you know they put it in this big story and they make him a big part of it and i think that like movies that do that like Mm -hmm. ghostbusters like the thing with them is they're just normal guys who are broke and they start up a business and you can make an indie film like this people already have yeah, exactly. And, and then and then Ghostbusters is like, all right, let's throw Ghost into it. And then it becomes like a pop culture thing. And so it just it's like I don't know what I'm trying to say here, but like it's just I and my I've always seen it like these these small ideas with such a unique spin on it in a way. Mm-hmm. Do you get what I'm saying with that? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I love saying that. I definitely agree that um, because it's more marketable, it sometimes enables people to be lazy. Like genre fiction, which is what pop culture film is, you know, it's easy to make a cheap horror film and make a couple million bucks, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't mean it's easy. I don't want to crap but on sometimes, the work sometimes that people it's, do. It's, yeah, but it is but known as kind of being the easier genre sometimes. Yeah, when, when compared to trying to make a serious handheld, drama... Yeah that is very difficult to market um, and might only see a very limited release in theaters because, you know, they, they can't afford to put it in because they have to play a bunch of uh, films that are coming out from Disney and 20th century Fox. And you're just some small studio that's making something that isn't probably going to fill as many seats. So, yeah. And I I respect what they do too. I just want to say that real quick. I think we all definitely respect what they do, but I think that there's a big difference. And the odd, you know, there's a big difference between these films, and how they're shot, and of course, you know, money wise, but also art, art form wise. Mm-hmm. And we're just kind of talking about the different difference. But I see that Aaron's unmuted. I just wanted yes. to say that real quick. Aaron, yes, are you what? there? Yes, my boy. Um, uh-huh. Would you rather turn off this music one? Okay. Do, <laughs> do you do you prefer blockbusters or indie films? Blockbusters. Okay, so I think everyone's kind of lost. Because, not because I have any sort of disdain towards indie films. It's just yep. that a lot of times, I I personally feel a lot of times indie films. I'm not trying to sum up all indie films. I'm just saying in general, <laughs> indie films are more of a chore to watch for me. A bad I, I agree. I feel like because I'm because I, it's 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 a lot. A lot of times they're a lot more serious. They have, but it feels like more, it's from the same company a lot more in a way. Sometimes they have a lot more to say as far as like 
you know, what the underlying meaning is and all of that. Yeah. Like and some by the time I'm done watching it, I just feel super drained. And I'm like, and not in a good way where I've like, I've had a good time watching it. And it was such a good movie that I'm just like, <sighs> it's wow. more like, it's Ugh. more like, you know, I'm tired and I'm like, oh, I just, you know, that made me feel like shit, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And like, and I, I agree with you. And there's some blockbusters that, like, some crappy blockbusters that can be like that, too. You know? Yeah. That can drain. And so it's like a two-way street, but I get what you're saying. It's, I feel like you're kind of saying, and tell me if I'm, correct me if I'm wrong, but, like, sometimes it feels like there's some indie films that feel like they're pumped out. Like, same kind of, like a Hallmark movie. Some right. of the same kind of stuff. And a lot of them are the same, like, yeah. It seems like there it's kind a lot of, of feel the person. same. Exactly. Um, At least the ones I've seen. I'm, pro- I'm sure there's some great ones out there. Um, oh, yeah. It's just not my cup of tea, you know? I think and, we're... and also career wise, mainstream blockbusters is where I want to end up. Mm-hmm. That's, oh, that's yeah. where my that's where my head goes whenever I think, what do I want to be in the future? I want to be there in that market. And I don't yeah. want I don't want to be, and you know. Why would why is it that you want to be as a composer, um, why is it that you want to be in that that era rather than an indie film? Why would you want to score a blockbuster? Um, well, they're, they're more fun to score, (laughs) say that, uh, but I, I feel like they're just, they're the type of stories that I want to tell as a, as a storyteller. I want to tell stories that I want to tell stories that have big, big giant spectacle and that make people go, wow. And, and, you know, stuff like Endgame where it's like you watch it and you're just sitting there and your mind is constantly Uh, but at the same time it has that characters at the same time it has that like it has that emotion and it has that intimacy that you would get out of a out of an indie film oh Um, yeah now that's not to say i wouldn't mind scoring an indie film i have before um and and they can be they can be fun too uh and it all depends on the story at the end of the day yeah Um, right it's yeah we should also keep in mind that indie film isn't necessarily a genre technically every film you've scored is an indie film oh yeah it just yeah. i feel like as a um it's not a as, genre as a cultural, it's just like as a cultural thing we think of indie films yeah. we think of movies like i don't know uh, we think of smaller yeah, smaller less low budget. i i get that um, like juno or whatever where that girl's pregnant or something like stuff like that I, like, I kind of feel like where they jo- have these Jojo Rabbit. Of... Let, let's take Jojo Rabbit for example. Jojo Rabbit. Ah, uh, no, 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 I'm just saying. No, I'm saying. No, 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 I'm saying. Listen, Jojo Rabbit mm-hmm. has a huge director behind it, Taika Waititi. Has a huge composer behind it. Has several big name actors in it. Mm-hmm. But because of the type of story it is and the type of movie it is, a lot of people would consider that an indie film. Not necessarily because. Of what because as a not culture, necessarily, yeah, film. not okay. necessarily because of the, you know, money, not, not, not considering, yeah, the budget and the people that are behind it. So it, but yeah. just considering the type of movie it is and the type so, of story it is, they would consider an interview, even though technically it's not. So this is how I would, I, I would like, this is what I'm thinking. Like, so I think the way we're kind of see, we're describing it is how culture kind of sees it, or at least we, at least we take it as that, you know, and I'm uh, from other people I've talked to about this. I see it as this too, but like as a cultural perspective, we kind of think of any movies as, you know, these small little, these, these movies with these different kind of stories that aren't usually on the big screen. 
but then as a as a filmmaker or a composer or a writer like we kind of see it indie films like these small little we really see it as these small really little movies that are made on a budget with like these different kind of stories and you know you get what i'm saying with the difference mm -hmm. there yeah. uh and both are incorrect <laughs> yeah um because the the terminator was an indie film Oh yeah, yeah. See, I'm James just kind of saying. funded it independently. I think the yeah. issue is um, how in, culture sees it is what I was kind of. Well, get to. my bad. To, to me, to me, the problem is um, I have I've taken a couple of you know university writing classes, uh, not film writing, general writing, um, and there's a huge, huge debate in um, like novel writing whether or not genre fiction should be considered literature it's very similar actually to the debate of whether or not something like a pop culture blockbuster film should be considered cinema it's very similar to that whole thing that happened uh, last year i think the issue is the way that people define genre for film isn't very good mm -hmm. because in novel writing um there's there's um I'll just there's like classical literature. Okay. And I'll I'll explain how they define that in a second. And then there's genre fiction. So genre fiction is everything from murder mystery to horror to fantasy to sci-fi to very very um like very uh, specific genres like I don't know high fantasy or gothic horror. Right, like, um, yeah, dystopian sci-fi. So, yeah. so with um, with narrative writing, um, or whatever fiction, uh, whatever, whatever you want to call it, writing a mm. book, novel writing, um, the distinction's pretty clear. Uh, what's considered literature, classical literature, is something that is it's more of a feeling. But you know the difference? It's kind of, um, you know, anything that has trappings of a genre, right? So mm -hmm. some of them are super easy to pick out, like sci-fi or fantasy, because that's speculative yeah. fiction. But something, this, yeah. yeah, something like murder mystery. Yeah. yeah, something like murder mystery generally, generally follows a format. There's an introduction of characters and a setup. Then some kind of crime happens, usually a murder. Then there's a, the entire second act is just piecing together evidence and then the third act um they come up with something see who the murderer is and there's usually no denouement there's usually no follow-up chapter any agatha christie novel almost no follow-up chapter like murder on the orient express um ends basically they arrest this person and then um you know Cupoyo gets like a a line like one line and that's the line that ends the book Oh, right spoiler after, right after they make the arrest. So, or actually, no, they don't make an arrest. They don't make an arrest. Sorry, I'm I'm screwing up two, two books. Two books, but, yeah, uh, yeah, because the whole point of Murder on the Orient Express is that there is no arrest. I'm an idiot, um, but uh, figure figures it out and says what's says what's going on. They agree to do what they're doing, and then he has some kind of thing, yeah, like one liner, and then it ends straight up. And yeah. a lot of of murder mysteries are like that so what do you do you make a genre murder mystery and you don't consider it classical literature because if you want to write a murder mystery novel you structure it like that whereas classical literature isn't speculative so it takes place in the real world um generally is a drama of some kind 
that mm-hmm. follows uh, something that could be that is theoretically possible within our world and yeah see that's doesn't yeah, have that's trappings of a genre and that's yeah. kind of what we mean when we say indie film it's a story yeah, that's that what it, takes yeah. place in in the real and world and usually film, the modern world yeah. right and what i was trying to get at is like indie film can like you were saying earlier like any film could be literally anything like aaron was talking yeah. about jojo rabbit some people mm-hmm. think that as an indie film like we all any film can really be anything but an indie film like we all have a certain way of thinking about it like mm-hmm. oh it's a feeling it's an indie film yeah. you know what I'm saying? like oh, okay that's just an indie film it's going to be kind of little political blah, blah 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 you know a little something there you know we all think of something kind of like that and mm-hmm. in our and not everybody but some people that's kind of what we classify it as but it, like you were saying yeah. it, can be anything yeah because some indie films oh, yeah. very easily fit into genre terminator yeah. is easily a in the way they sci-fi time travel film right and the way they film that's really cool they mm. didn't have a lot of permits so they were like quick they're trying to get some quick shots Jeez. um but yeah that's that's the point so i think when when we say indie film would you rather watch an indie film or a blockbuster what we really mean is would you rather watch um a slow burn you know, artsy drama film mm-hmm. or genre fiction. I totally agree. Yeah. And I mean, the preference just comes, some people like, again, going back to novels, some people can't stand genre fiction. They, yeah. because they don't like it. If, if it doesn't feel like something that could happen to them, they yeah. can't relate to it as much. Whereas I exclusively like genre fiction. I, I don't like yeah. classical literature. I like stuff like um, Lord of the Rings and, and Star Trek and Harry Potter, stuff like that. It interests me far more. Yeah. So. And I mean, and like I said, I think we're just drawn to blockbusters because we want to make blockbusters and it's not just for, we just love that kind of storytelling. Um, there's some great independent films out there. And I know there's, there's some people who will fight us for this conversation about picking blockbusters. Aaron's already had it happen. Um, but... <laughs> But basically what we're uh, we're trying to say is like that's just kind of what we would pick and prefer um that's just kind of what we would want to make and if you want to make any films there's no problem with that there's some great indie films out there yeah that's very Uh, cool of you aaron best film score go uh the incredibles 2004 aaron worst film Mm -hmm. score go (laughs) just call oh i knew you were gonna say chappy i knew it it's it's not who did good. who did who did chappy uh, on zimmer yeah you want to no. hear what it sounds like for your computer to break down and no no no, 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 no basically it's a go, dial-up go listen to starting go listen oh to i thought you were about to play something no 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 no, no um but yeah i think oh man let's talk about let's work let's talk about like dealing with it like dealing with each other on a on a project oh like working with a looking team at my notes are you um <laughs> maybe uh and we could also mix in the dealing with self-doubt and uh as an up-and-coming artist uh-huh. wow you know i was the whole podcast ahead of time yeah let's, uh, let's I, dive into it a deep dive a deep dive into what this a deep dive i feel like about. i feel like during this time with the quarantine we should talk about self-doubt and how to come out of it go you guys ever just feel like frauds cure depression right now guys um no i was feeling like a fraud today um because i'm trying to figure out this thing i I also make games which i said at the beginning 
um, and I'm trying to do some pathfinding AI and I never really tackled it. And um, I like before, I've never really done it before. Proper pathfinding, not just a built in stuff that you can use easily. Yeah. And uh, I, I know the concept of how to do it. I have an idea of how to do it. And it's similar to something that I've studied in my computer science classes this year. Yeah. So theoretically I should be able to do it, but I just can't figure it out. And I'm like, I'm, I'm a CS undergrad. I'm supposed to be able to do this kind of thing. And I've been doing coding and game dev since I was 12, 13. And mm -hmm. I still can't do proper AI pathfinding. And then I started thinking about it. I was like, well, let me focus on something else. Try to do the shader. And I've never done shaders before. I'm just tackling stuff that I've never done before. And it's taken forever. And I had to stop because I got thinking like, wow, I really can't do this. And I had yeah. to stop because I was like, nope, that's not a good mindset oh, to have. Yeah. I mean, I feel like, and I, I might be speaking just for me right now. and I am. But I mean, this might speak for a lot of people in the room. But um, that's just, I mean, everyone's kind of have that feeling of hey why am i here how am i here like like i've had that on local hero like i actually saved up my money put a bunch of people in a room and i'm like oh gosh everyone's asking me questions i don't have the answer to and i'm like trying to figure it out and make it up on the spot and that's just like the big creative process part and you're always going to have that self-doubt and um you know, and that's the best way to get into it is like literally just keep trying. Yeah. Um, Aaron, Kevin, I um, uh, fake it till you make it. I so t speaking from a composer's perspective, uh, there's hmm. How do I put this? <laughs> I feel like um, I know what you're going to say because I've definitely had this conversation with you before. So when when I first realized that this is what I wanted to do, um, I was probably, I don't want to say four or five because that's really young and I really Well, didn't. but that's when you saw The Incredibles. But, but that's when I saw, yeah, right. That's when I saw The Incredibles and... Uh, I saw that title card and I was just blown away. And that's all I remember from that day um, is seeing the title card and being like, um, and, and that's kind of when I subconsciously realized that this is what I wanted to do. And I've never questioned it throughout my entire life. I've never once questioned it. Um, but there was one incident where I was questioning myself and whether I wanted to, uh, whether I, this was like a hobby and whether this this is something that I actually want to do as a career. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I made the I made the decision uh, that I only wanted to do it as a hobby. Yeah. And about 30 minutes after I made that decision, I got a text from my friend and he was like, hey, I got us tickets to go see Endgame on opening night uh, and 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 we're going. Nice. I was like, okay, great, cool. And uh, no thought of it, so I went and, went and seen Endgame. And uh, number one, greatest theater experience of my life. <laughs> Two, um, that movie kind of like slapped me in the face a little bit and showed me why I want to do 
this. Yeah. Why I want why I want to film those. And it and it was it was something about sitting in that theater and witnessing this incredible movie and having the same you know, have being in this dark room with a group of people and all having the same sort of sharing the same experience and the same emotions and us all being hyped up and all of that. And then there was uh there was this one there was this one lady in the row in front of me. Um and after the assemble part, uh she started she's going along with the movie, she started going <laughs> and that was like that was what did it. I was like, was uh, awesome. yep, yep. I was like, this is definitely why I want to do this for this right here. Also, Endgame score is just Endgame score is great here. as well. Other yeah. point, Endgame score, awesome. Endgame score is great. So that that's that that's kind of how that ended up happen happening. And um, so ins- inspiration got you really good. Yeah, and so so now yeah. I've kind of there are other ways that I kind of deal with self doubt self doubt. I don't really have it much. It's more when I get burnt out, I ah, learn how to deal with okay. it. Yeah. Um, so right now, uh, you know, I, I write prominently orchestral stuff because I write film scores, but, uh, right now I'm actually slowly starting to build this, uh, this album that I'm working on and you can ask Adam, um, for the past like couple days, two or three days, I've I've been I've been churning out some pretty weird stuff. It's been some pretty cool um, stuff too. He made me an and, alarm clock, an alarm <laughs> clock thing. And uh, a, a couple of them were memes, but <laughs> uh, but but the other few uh, bits and pieces that I've shown have been uh, have been concepts for this album that I want to do. And uh, you know, it's totally different from my film score stuff. And it's it's, you know, based around just like letting go and just like going crazy and like, you know, just doing whatever you want. Branching out in a way. Okay, yeah, that? it's it's me. It's me, me sort of branching out and, you know, letting go of things that I don't need to worry about and just kind of, you know, just live in life. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, uh, for sure. it's a lot of feel good music. It's a lot of music that will make you feel better. A lot of music that can get you sort of up and moving. All that type of stuff. Yeah. But the point of okay. all that is that when I get sort of when I get sort of burnt out or when I need a break or, you know, sometimes even when I'm feeling self-doubt, I just go do something that I've either I either don't do often or I've never done before. And hmm. a lot of the stuff that's going to be on this album is going to be music fused with other genres of music that I've never touched before. And it's really something exciting new. and really, awesome. really refreshing. And uh, it's stuff that I can, you know, apply to my film scoring stuff whenever I start getting back to that more prominently. So I would say if you ever like have self-doubt or if you ever get burnt out on what you're doing, go do something you've never done before. Go like refresh yourself. Go try, go try, whether it's within your realm, like, you know, both of these things that I do now are in music writing. Let's say you, you just do writing or you do directing or whatever it can be within that realm or it can be completely outside of that realm just go do something you've never done before and it i'm telling you right now it will totally just refresh you and it will it it'll you'll have like a whole new uh perspective on it you have a whole new perspective and you'll just it'll be like a breath of fresh air 
That's mm-hmm. that's great. That's yeah. a great advice right there. Good advice. Kevin, what do you think? Weigh in, yeah. on, the, weigh in on the subject. I don't feel comfortable anymore. <laughs> yeah, that did feel very weird. Weigh in on the subject, um, man. What do you think? Yeah, how do you deal with uh, feeling like a fraud and self-doubt if, if you've ever found those <sighs> what, feelings? Well, mostly what I do is make... Um, it's either making a design or making a video. It all comes down to like midway through the process. I'm looking at it. I'm like, this is not mm-hmm. what I want it to be. Mm-hmm. I feel you, brother. And so then it becomes an, a part of, all right, so I can either give this up and not do it or go back and do it with a new fresh look and just try and figure out what's got me down, what's got me discouraged about it what should i fix to make this be up to what i want it to be and of course sometimes i feel like oh i'm not you know i'm not the best and like this isn't you know yeah what it should be yeah yeah i totally agree with you there i mean we've we've both both been filmmakers and we both are filmmakers and i i I totally like Kevin's answer is my answer right there. Like I, um, I've, I've been there. Like it, it sucks. It really sucks. And then it's, it's also good. And this is my experience of Kevin coming and we've worked on some stuff together in high school and kind of Kevin encouraging me and hopefully I encourage Kevin in some yeah. way. But having a having a team there and having somebody with the creative process also mm-hmm. helps. I think the thing that enables that kind of mindset is. Uh... You know, it's really easy to fall into it because you look around at what other people have done, right? Mm-hmm. You you go on message boards, either people talking about, for me, with the video game thing, um, if I go on, you know, forums, subreddits of people talking about their indie game design, nobody posts, unless they're looking for help, like, how do I solve this issue? Um, nobody posts their super super crazy early stuff that they don't want to post right Mm -hmm. they Mm -hmm. post the stuff that they're proud of um you know when you put out a game demo for the most part people who who do that it's something that's very polished when you put out a film hopefully it's something that's polished so you look around at your peers you're only seeing their finished products you're not seeing the 20 million mistakes that they made in the process of getting there yeah you haven't you're not seeing them locked in a room yeah. dealing with all their flaws and all the yeah. the flaws it's, in the film or game. Yeah, it's also really easy to compare yourself to someone that you're just not on the level of. Yeah. Um, either either by physical limitations like for me being a solo game dev, right? Mm-hmm. Or being uh you know a hobbyist filmmaker uh in some ways. Mm-hmm. It's you know, why should I compare myself to a AAA game or to a blockbuster film? That's yeah. because that's the stuff I would want to make. But, you know, you even, the, mm-hmm. even if I was the best filmmaker or the best game developer on the planet, I could not make something that requires a team of 100 people on my own. It does. You just can't. You can just right? make the best product you can make. With Yeah. So it's it's really easy to compare yourself to stuff that you shouldn't compare yourself to. And it's okay to admit that, you know, um, one, you're limited by the resources you have. But two, you're limited by the experience you have. Yeah, I can't. You know, and sometimes that that will help you in your advantage. That will give you an advantage sometimes. It honestly, depending on what you, yeah, 
it gives you an advantage all the time because if you yep. can look at yourself and without feeling bad, without, you know, being disappointed, look at yourself objectively and go, what am I capable of? Then you won't get stuck as much. Yep. You won't get stuck as much because you're not going to try to take on this huge, ridiculously ambitious thing on your own when you have no idea how to do it. Right. Yeah. You're going to take on something that maybe you, there's stuff that you don't understand, but you think about it and you go, I think I can do that. Mm -hmm. Right. It's okay to acknowledge your limitations. And then it's great to have your buddies behind you going, that's awesome. And maybe let's talk about this scene a little bit. It's also that, I mean, having a team behind you and it's not just, and they don't have to be working with you, but Mm -hmm. if they can, that's awesome. Um, But just having a little, little hype, hype man behind you also will help you get out of self-doubt a little bit and reality checks are important yeah constructive criticism too uh, i think your team kind of has there's it's like a two-way street your team has an obligation to give you a reality check when you need it and you have an obligation to respect what the people around you are saying you know don't think that you know better because you're the one with the idea um 100 percent Right. And, you know, don't think that you shouldn't voice very real concerns with maybe the scope of something or the way that a certain thing is being addressed. Because, you know, if, if you think you can do something better, you know, don't don't be a jerk about it. But yeah, if you, if you think something's not being approached the right way and you have an idea of how you can do it better, you have yeah. an obligation to at least voice that concern. Be right? like, hey, buddy. And, what do you yeah. let's talk about this team? Not hey, I would do it like this, uh, you because you know this and that. If you could just have a good conversation and it's actually building into mm-hmm. a good conversation, hence the word constructive criticism, yeah. um, rather than de- 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 destructive criticism. Gosh, couldn't even talk. Yeah. I yeah, um, I, I find the best way to go about it is to ask a question. Yeah. So yeah, I mean because yeah. they might have a good reason. So if you go, hey, why are we doing this scene like this, right? I'm I'm just confused. Why are we doing this scene like this? Yeah. Um, and then they can try to explain it. You go, oh, and then you could just explain where you're coming from. Okay, that makes sense. I was just thinking perhaps we could do this, right, instead. Mm-hmm. Or um, perhaps we could just tweak this one or two little things. I think it, here's why I think it would be better, like that kind of thing. Um, or oftentimes, like, people assume things. I've assumed things, right? So yeah. when someone asks you, why are you doing it like this? I had someone ask me about that, about um, – the other show I'm working on with Aaron. Mm-hmm. Uh, someone came in and they said, why are you doing it like this? And I went, I don't know. It's just the way I'm doing it. And because they asked that, we got in a deeper discussion about it. And eventually I changed the way I was approaching it because I realized I hadn't really thought about it. I was just, See? yeah, that's great. I just great made a decision, it. right? So, yeah. You got to trust the team. Hundred percent agree. Sorry, I was chewing ice. Um, <laughs> Let's talk about that. <laughs> no, man, I hundred percent agree, and and honestly, I'm thankful for you guys to have a team and to talk about ideas, throw them around the room, and also have you guys there to build me up constructively and have that critic that constructive criticism behind it too. You could be my hype man, and you could be my my wingman, I don't know. I was trying to come up with something that rhymed, but basically have you there for 
you know, some encouragement, but also have you there and throw some ideas around the room. Um, sorry, I got distracted. Aaron's sitting beside me. Okay, cool. Um, but yeah, I think that's that's a great way to put it. Um, having a team has really helped me because in my, like, being by myself is all, for me personally, like, I get in my head too much, and I know a lot of people do, but having a team there kind of throwing some thoughts around always and just bouncing off each other. I think that's the, that's why I love the creative process so much. And that's why yeah. we wanted to do this podcast and just kind of talk about like just fun stuff and show you guys some cool, cool conversations. And that's the best part of the creative process, mm-hmm. the relationships you build, the things you build from it, um, visually filmmaking wise music composing wise posters i mean you guys can work together through so much um but kevin did you have did you have any answers for your own self-doubt i know you were talking about the self-doubt part do you have any ways you get out of it i think he said he would just make a video right well well, he was uh, talking he was kind of talking how it gets in his head uh yeah and he was well, like, oh, he's, yep. Yeah, the main way I try and, you know, fight against that is to, if I, there's a feeling there that something here is wrong and I need to change this design because the design is not working and it's just not giving off the effect that I want it to. So what mm-hmm. I'll do is I'll go back, sometimes I'll completely scratch it. I've done that before. Oh, okay. Don't do that the day before the deadline. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for real. <laughs> but, you know, most of the times it's like, okay, I feel a lot better about this. I can move forward. That's behind me, and this is looking better, and I shouldn't doubt myself as much because I was just going on the wrong path. Okay. Hmm. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I, I've actually done that once or twice. Um, that's a really good way of doing it. I like, I like your approach to it. You kind of did it a lot better. Um, I like that idea a lot. Um, that's a really good one, man. Mm-hmm. I think uh, it makes you get out of your head too, yeah. in a way, and having to redo it. Sorry, taking, Adam, what were you saying? Yeah, taking more um, steps from game design and what you do in coding, because again, that's the other thing I do. Um, there's a there's a big thing every time you do something you like to think that it's done right you did it you mm-hmm. finished it yeah um, truth be told like a feature you know um truth be told when you finish a feature you really just prototyped it because there is so much garbage that you worked into making it work mm-hmm. that you don't necessarily need it's really the second and the third time around that you do it that um you have something resembling a final thing yeah you've streamlined it you've cut the crap you've made it run a little bit faster you've uh because the first time is you figuring it out once you figure it out you know how it works so you know how you can do it better and i yeah. think that mm-hmm. kind of principle extends to any kind of art you know the first yeah. time you try to do something it might work but that doesn't mean you you know how to do it that just means you're developing a model in your mind of how you should approach something like that. And it's really the yeah. second, the third times that you, that you start to, and every subsequent time, you know, where you, where you improve upon it, you build upon it. And that's why these, these, you know, one man armies who, who, you know, write, direct, edit, and produce, act, 
right? Or, you know, make a game from scratch all on their own and release it. Um, they, it's not their first rodeo. Yeah. You got to keep trucking, man. Yeah. And if it is somehow miraculously, it, it's, they've spent a lot of time working on it behind the scenes to yeah. get to a point where they know and they've had a lot of sleepless nights and you just don't see that. You just see the final product. Yeah. So. And you got to be willing to put in the effort. Like we were talking about earlier, like you usually see people's final product and you're like, oh man, mine's not good enough. Well, all you could do is keep trying and keep getting up and keep, and if, you know, do your best with that project. And then the next one, like Adam was saying, just the next one's going to be better. Mm -hmm. and you know, it might and, not be it still might not be what you would consider perfect but it's gonna be better like i thought yeah. at first this is a little story of me and adam talking the other night like i made local hero that was my first real short film and i put money in and it's i see all the flaws and i know other people see the flaws it's mm -hmm. not perfect it's got and then i showed him something i made probably a few months later learning how to deal with a crew and everything i finally got to like Without, ha I kind of put on all the hats of the of the set because I'm used to being kind of a one man band with like little shorts and stuff with the family. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but when I went on to Local Hero, I still kind of did that. But when I went on to Pegasus, I was like, all right, I'm paying these people to do this. Let me focus on my job. That's directing. Yeah, and, and so Adam do their job. Yeah, and then Adam even told me, I, like he was like, dude, I could see an improvement from Local Hero, and Local Hero is good. And I was like. And he was like, but it's got its flaws, you know, Yeah. The first thing. And then he was like, yeah. that's an improvement. That looks really good from what you came from. And so yeah. I was like, well, thanks, man. You know, right. you don't see that as a creator. Mm -hmm. The people around you will see that if you put the work and the effort into it. Yeah, they will see an improvement. And yeah. um, you're right. And I've seen that with Aaron, too, when his oh, scoring, yeah. for sure. For sure. I think Aaron does see it, though, but that's and, because he yeah. looks at his old work. Yeah, and, and Kevin, I want to mention Kevin time. real quick too. Kevin used to drew, do drawings and stuff, and he's like making freaking Instagram like artwork now. You know, it's just crazy how people grow. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I just wanted to give a shout out to him. Too. No, that's fine. Um, yeah, I, it's it's really strange too for me because um, I've written quite a bit, mm -hmm. but none of it has actually been produced. And I feel like that's the unfortunate thing about writing um, as a hobby. And maybe I'm just going at it the wrong way. Maybe I should be approaching, you know, um, short film directors and, and machinima directors and just offering to write something yeah, for them. It's, it's hard to get stuff made. Um, it is. It's, it, Hollywood's, it not is. Looking, Hollywood's not looking for you. No. Uh, you're looking for them and then you're gonna and in the meantime you kind of gotta wing it on your own and like you're talking about finding yeah. short film directors and stuff yeah it's I, a hard business to get into and we're all yeah. kind of dealing with that well and to me my breaking in my journey and how i'm approaching it um i'm currently studying other things so i'm not actively looking i'm kind mm -hmm. of writing stuff that i'm passionate about and working with small groups of people who are also passionate about it so that we can hopefully produce it yeah. But it's it's very slow, very, very slow. Uh, it's like I told you guys, the, the show that I just wrapped up um, finished the first season. So that's a lot. That's mm -hmm. It ended up being 308 pages um, overall over the course of 10 episodes. So that's a good like... Yeah, that's a lot. <laughs> roughly five hours of, of, um, of screen time. Yeah. A lot of stuff, a lot of mm -hmm. content. You know, that took me... 
um, more time than I'm proud of to write. Yeah. Um, I wasn't speeding along, you know, I wasn't being consistent with it your, because yeah. production was taking the time. Um, so it probably would have taken me, I don't know, like if it was like my full-time job, a couple months to write that. But the I fact is you don't, it's not your full-time job and you no, still so did it. Took it. Me, so it took me. Yeah. Years. And you still <laughs> did. That's, that's, that's endurance. Yeah. I mean, that's building your endurance. That's not, yeah. I mean, you got to build that, that junk up, man. And that's the thing is, um, the really tough thing from my perspective is, uh, what do I have to show for it? Because mm -hmm. I've written 308 pages and not a single one of them has been actually put to screen yet. Yeah. Right. And it's, it's kind of the unfortunate thing when you, when you write like a novel, that is the final product. So it's much easier to be completely satisfied with that. But when you write a script, it's, it's not the final product until somebody makes it. Yeah. So it's, not that it's disheartening it's just a little sometimes i i think about it and i go like oh i finished doing this but at the same time i'm the only one who can really truly enjoy it right yeah well i under i can i, I can i can see where you're coming from i understand that but the best thing i would say to do is like just keep trying until oh, yeah. it can yeah i mean that's i mean no. i know that sounds cliche but literally you have to when you get down like that, you're like, oh, what do I have to show for it? What, what's going to yeah. come from it? Like, you got to pick yourself back up and literally just keep trying. And you can keep trying to get that made while you're working on other stuff, you know? Sure. And that's what you're doing. I mean, you're coming on and working on Marsho uh, Pegasus. And so, I mean, you're doing the right thing. Um, <laughs> Thank you for validating uh, me working on your thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're doing um, the right thing. You made the right choice. Pal. You made the right choice for real, man. Like, this is what you're supposed to do. <laughs> um, it's in your contract. If, if yeah. you want to get, if you want to get over it, come, come do this with me. Come do this with no, us. It's no, it's not about getting over it. It's, it's just about, um, the, the keep, fact keep that like, Ryan, you keep improving yourself. Yeah. Well, when you write, screenplay you're writing with the intention that one day it will be a visible film that people will yeah. be able to watch in some form yeah. and uh it's, it's just a little unfortunate to me that i've written a good amount of stuff and you know both stuff that i intended to make and just kind of didn't because you know writing's my passion not necessarily filmmaking i would do it but i don't exactly know how and <laughs> It's not something where I have a bunch of friends that I can. Well, okay, but you know, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm making I'm making excuses. Point <laughs> is, I haven't written anything that's become a thing, and it's, no, I get you. It's kind of like dang, you know. I was just joking. I was trying to make a joke. I don't know what I'm like. I didn't. What I was doing. <laughs> We're all just here winging it, man. Yeah, and that's uh, the that's the fun part part of it. You know, the fun part is the journey, not the uh, the finish line. And the finish line is going to be cool, but it's not going to be as cool without the journey. It's speaking, not going to feel as validated. Speaking of the finish line, mm. what's, what's your experience with um, like finishing something? Mm. My experience? Yeah. How do you how mm. do you go about finishing? Okay. Well, there's a few film. stages to finishing stuff in my book. Um, you go through the excitement phase where you say, hey, everyone, thank you guys for coming out. That's a wrap on blank, blank. 
Um, it's been so fun, and then a few of the cast members and crew will, will go get something to eat, and we'll kind of, it's like that, that kind of celebration part, like we did it. And then you get home, and then you look at everything you did, and you put it together, and it's a rough cut, and you're like, oh my gosh, I just wasted everybody's time. I screwed up so bad. I should have did this, should have done that. And you lock yourself in a room, and you get depressed. And you don't know why you're here. Like you said, like we talked about earlier, you feel like a fraud. Mm-hmm. Again, after being on set with all these people who know and already feeling like a fraud. <laughs> yeah. You feel more like a fraud. And then what ends up happening is you get something you like, and then you keep tweaking it and tweaking it. And then you show it to your friends and that kind of pulls me out. Uh, so that's kind of like a, a few of the steps to finishing it, but then actually posting it and seeing people's opinions like who've seen the final product that's the best part and you're going to get some some critics and you're going to get some people and that's just common you're going to get haters and you just got to get a tough skin about it and it sucks but you just got to deal with it but out of those haters whenever there's a hater there's always a praiser um yeah quote me quote me on that that's a good one man but um (laughs) basically i mean seeing that final result and seeing how people react to it and like, Hey, they enjoyed that story. That's the best part. You made somebody have a little escape and allowed them to dive into the story that they enjoyed. And so that's, that's the final finishing something for me. That's the, that's the goal I like to have is telling a story that somebody will, will like to like to see and hear, you know, they enjoyed it. Took them out of the, out of whatever crap they're going through in 2020 with all the stuff going on, yeah. you know, so that what what what's kind of your you dealing with finishing a product, finishing a uh, a script? It takes a long time. Mm-hmm. Writing a script is all about <clears throat> juggling. Yeah, you can't let any of the of the plot threads, character threads. The A plot, the B plot, the C plot. You can't let any of that fall because if that falls, you lose. You've you've lost it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, writing a successful script is about not forgetting anything, giving everything the exact amount of time that it needs, um, and finding a way to make it all wrap up in a very satisfying way. So the hardest part is to end it. Yeah, just like juggling, right? You can get good at juggling, but how do you how do you stop it? How do you break that rhythm? How do you find a way to end it? That that I, actually, I I'm comparing it to juggling, but I don't actually know how to juggle. So <laughs> uh, maybe stopping juggling is very easy. But in my mind, catching a bunch of of, of balls when you've been throwing them around, um, it takes a different mindset, and it takes mm. practice, and it takes a really good idea of how you're actually going to do it, right? Yeah. Um, so you have to be ready to do it. You have to prepare. You have to write it down exactly how you're going to do it. Um, and you have to be fully prepared to improvise on the spot because sometimes you have an idea of how you're going to end it and like how you're going to set that up. And then you have another idea that you work in and then you have another idea and then you change that idea because you actually have a better way to do it. Yeah. And by the time you get to the ending that you thought you were going to have, 
it's just not set up quite in the right way. You know, you have two slightly different puzzle pieces that almost mm -hmm. connect, but not really. And yeah, it's a journey. <laughs> it's a, yeah, I, I, I know, agree. The first three episodes of the show I wrote in a month. Mm -hmm. And then after that, um, the next three episodes took about a month each to write. Um, you know, not like a month working on it every day, but like, I get what you're saying. I mean, you have a life. You gotta, you gotta yeah. eat, drink, and sleep. So the first six episodes I did over the course of four months, and then oh, that's not true. Sorry, the first uh, not over the course of six months with a break in between and a major rewrite of the beginning. Anyways, um, and then the last five or six episodes each took probably about four months. Okay. Um, Again, if I treated it like a job, it wouldn't have been nearly as yeah. long. Have, but... Quick question. Have you, whenever you start something, yeah, you know, we have our vision and, and I'm, I'm getting to it, but we have a vision and we all have an idea of what it's going to be. And then I we end up with it. <laughs> but we end up with the final product and it's different. And sometimes it's better in some aspects and sometimes it's, it's just, it's different. Um, but my question is, have you, what, like you're talking about your show with your show, have you ever had it be like you had it one way and then you had it completely different? That was the major rewrite. Yeah. That was the major, uh, like, did you enjoy that process? Um, I didn't enjoy coming up with a way to make it work mm -hmm. because it's really tough to, to change your mind when you're so set on something and when you've already written exactly yeah you know but then you have to kill your babies 70 pages yeah um, and that's not an endorsement for that political thing that's okay. just a phrase anyway um <laughs> i just wanted to say that we're not okay. political here yeah all right anyways, continue um yeah it, you you have to you have to think about it and you should always be thinking about it and yeah when someone comes up to you and says hey you know i really don't think this is the best way to go about it you need to take that seriously and yeah you know it's very easy to go no you're wrong here's my idea it's a good idea but that's not always the right thing to do sometimes you are right to say that i think if somebody told me now that the idea i have doesn't work which there are definitely people out there who won't like it. Um, I I wouldn't tell them to piss off, but I wouldn't take it to heart. I'd be like, yeah. okay. And then I just uh, wouldn't really do much with it because... You got to do you. Yeah. I've, yeah, to an extent. And yeah. um, exactly. I've, I've thought about it so much. I feel like I've finished the story. It's good, right? Mm -hmm. But in the beginning, I didn't exactly have a very good idea about how to do it. I hadn't thought about the entire season. I just kind of started writing and when you just start writing you don't have an idea sometimes the idea that develops is underdeveloped you know yeah so having to change it was a pain in the ass but oh, yeah. um and took forever it was a huge setback but it was a necessary setback and if i didn't do that i wouldn't be happy with the story that i would have ended up with honestly yeah i i yeah i and agree i am yeah. Well, I, I think that's part of the creative. And I know I keep saying this, but I think that's really part of it. That's a big thing with the, um, 
when you're creating something and then looking back at the final product and just being like, wow, this is different than I thought, you know? And that's a weird feeling. That's a very weird feeling to have, but it's also, yeah. it can be a good feeling if you put your heart and soul into it. You're like, wow. Aaron, what about you? Kevin, what uh, about you? What, are, what exactly are we talking guys, about? Uh, We're talking about finishing. Scratch and also finishing something. Yeah. Finishing something. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, I always tell myself to uh, always finish something, uh, whether it may be, you know, a load of shit or it might be a, the greatest thing in the world. Just finish it because no matter what the outcome is, you'll always you'll always feel a sense of completion and it'll make you want to go do something else. Yeah. And and it gives you a sense of like you're able to move on after that. Um, oh, yeah. After you finish something, you're able to say, okay, done with that. Next thing. Um, but uh, I guess I can talk about creating something since that's kind of what you did. Um, yeah, sorry. But uh, no, you could just go through the process creative to find it, finishing it. So I tend to finish things very quickly and I tend to come up with ideas very quickly. Um, I feel like the best, at least in my realm of creativity, uh, I feel like the best ideas come from quickness and fastness and just going. A good you know, pace. Yeah. Oh, I have this idea. Let's do it. You know. Oh, I um, thought you literally had an idea first. I was like, okay. <laughs> no, I, no, I, I, I was, no, I was just saying, I, I feel like yeah, the best like, ideas you know, come from okay. that sort of like. Yeah something pops into your head and you go and do it immediately. Um, mm -hmm. And if it's bad, then it's bad and you can fix it tomorrow. But if it's no. good, then you keep going with it. Um, but I tend to do things very fast. Um, and I think part of the, part of the reason that I'm able to do something very fast, uh, I've been frowned upon for it. And uh, a lot of people, a lot of composers, uh, will frown upon you well not a lot but there's a good chunk of composers that that will frown upon you for doing such a thing but uh everyone's do, gonna be different i do everyone's what they thing. i What's do the what thing? they call um improv improvisational uh orchestration which oh. basically means that i open when, when i go to score a scene or write a piece of music or whatever i have an idea in my head and i go in and I start from scratch and yeah. I basically just do it as I go. There's okay. no set plan. There's no set idea of how the piece is going to go or how the, the cue is going to go. It just happens right there. Like, you know, spur of the yeah. moment. It's like, okay, you know, I have this idea for how it's going to begin, do it and then listen back to it. And then, okay, based off of that, this is how it's going to continue. And that's how I'm able to get things done so fast because I just go based off of what pops into my head and it's all boom, boom, boom. Sometimes yeah. it's, again, I, I say that's frowned upon because, you know, planning well, hey. things out and, and doing things a certain way and having set things is, 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 is what a lot of other composers do, but I don't do it like but that. But you got to do just, you, you got to do just, your own that process. Just, mm -hmm. That just takes too long. Yeah. Um, but, uh, then finishing. Yeah, I, 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 finishing it, 
when I do finish something. I do have like a lot of work in progresses, but uh, sometimes I even consider my my WIPs to be finished because I know I'll never touch it again. Mm-hmm. If I ever do a work in progress, if if I know that I'm not going to go back to it, or if I'm going to, if I do go back to the idea, I'll just start a new thing. Yeah. Then I'll I'll like I'll finish the WIP if that makes any sense. Yeah. Like it'll be it it'll be less of a work in progress and it'll more be like a a documentation of what I was thinking at that point. Mm-hmm. That way I can go back to it and then when I do the new thing I can apply whatever I like or don't like from that WIP to the new thing. Yeah. Well, and then that new thing will be the finished the finished product. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, as far as finishing something, just like just finish it. Well, know? quick question, Aaron. What do you feel like? How does it feel for you whenever? And I'm just saying this because we worked on, on it together. How did it feel for you to see your composed music on the film screen? And like, how did that feel when you saw the final product and you you knew it was done? And how did you feel? Did you feel like you did a good job? And uh, and initially, yeah, I felt like I did. Uh, a pretty a pretty sweet job um you know i looked at it and everything had kind of panned out how i wanted it to mm-hmm. everything worked uh you agreed with everything that i did um and and i just want to say like a good part of me and luke's relationship and uh is that he he kind of does what a lot of other directors don't do and he kind of just lets me go he gives me an idea of what he wants, and then he just says, "Go play, like, go then, do your thing." Mm-hmm. And that's really that's really good for composers yeah. because if you put them in a box, mm-hmm. nobody puts babies if, in a corner. Yeah, it, and if you, put them in, if you put them in a box and they feel obligated to do, they don't. They don't. They feel they're scared to go out of the box because they know you put them in a box. Because you put them in a box and you're the director, yeah. So they and, they naturally they feel scared to yeah, go out and of it's, the box, and yeah. then the director you know is like, oh, well, that's not what I want, and so it's like, and they start telling you to push them out of the box, and it's like, well, you put me in the box in the first yeah. place. It's yeah. just a mess. But yeah. with you, it's like you just kind of let me go. But anyways, yeah. And then um, it's good to talk about it after the fact, and right? I, and usually half and like usually I think there's only one thing that we changed and that was it. Everything else was perfect, <laughs> yeah. you know, but that's just uh, leads to the constructive criticism that, you know, you working together and have that creative process, but don't put yeah. them in a box first. A, let them do, let them do their thing and a then talk about sometimes, it. Sometimes you kind of have to be like a, a, a therapist in a way. Oh yeah. Because, oh, that's a, that's a you, great way to describe it. Because you have to talk to your director and you have to make him feel okay, him or her. You have to make them feel okay with handing this thing that they've just created off to you for you to do your thing with it. Mm-hmm. And you know, and and uh, you know, the the second they hate something, you kind of just have to be like, "Yeah, I hate it too." Mm-hmm. Yeah. What were you thinking? You know, and then yeah. talk about. It. And compromise, and yeah. it's kind of like a back and forth. It shouldn't be you shouldn't be getting all up, all up in your in yourself, you know, because they yeah. don't like it. And being okay, well, what's the problem with it? No, you yeah. know, what did you have in mind? You know, yeah. it has That's to be a, it has to be a, a back and forth thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah. what I was saying about local hero, um, 
I felt like we had done good. I felt like everything had worked out like it like we wanted to. Like I said, you liked it. We were happy with it. Shit. It wasn't <laughs> until uh sorry. You're good. It wasn't until um it wasn't until I started showing it to people and when I got a little bit nervous, I wasn't extremely nervous. Mm-hmm. When I started showing it to people, I was I was like, okay, I hope they like it. Uh, but it was like, if they don't, whatever. Yeah, um, screw them. <laughs> but we, we, when we got to the premiere, that's when I really started to get nervous because... Oh, there's uh, a whole crowd. There's, there's a, whole a whole bunch of people. There. Yeah, I didn't know half the people that were there. What you just did, and I just... Dude, what you you just did, you worded it like you have to think about what you've done. Go sit in the corner, Aaron. Yeah, dude, I mean, it was so scary, that premiere. Like, I literally was like, oh, my gosh, what if everyone just came here and was like... funny that you say that, because I did go sit in the corner. I went (laughs) all the way to the back, me, and I I had... Him and his cousin and his family. Yeah, yeah, uh, well, my family was up toward the front. They were actually... Oh, yeah, they were in the middle. You were were actually watching it. Yeah, I Wayne wanted to go and like sit uh, up Wayne. there with them. Uh, my cousin Wayne, he wanted to go sit up there with them. No, I, dragged, Wayne. I dragged him to the to the back <laughs> and was like, "We're not going up there. We're gonna stay back here Where and not safe. watch it." <laughs> um, and so uh, he had he poor thing. He had to watch it from the back, but I did not watch any of it. Um, I was <laughs> I was I was looking at the people. Uh, and what their reactions were. Me luckily, too, dog. Me too. Luckily, they they all they all liked it. They all really really liked it. Um, uh, they all they they all um. There was some weird moment where they like they they clapped when your name popped up. They were like, yeah, woo. Um, and then there was some weird moment when everybody clapped when my name popped up, and I wasn't exactly. expecting that because nobody yeah. knew who I was. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And but and they, I was like, but they knew they liked the music. And I was like, yeah. this is weird, but okay, cool. I guess they yeah. liked it. Um, uh, and so that was fun. The premiere was fun. Yeah. Uh, uh, I think that's the, the celebrating part that I really enjoyed. Like, yeah. just being able to see people enjoy a story that you put your heart and soul into. Yeah. And making, yeah. yeah. And so I think that was that was a fun experience. And um, I remember Aaron had to pull me off the computer, like, two days, or, like, a day before I had to, like, get the get it ready for the premiere mm-hmm. and i was still editing it trying to fix it and that's the good thing about your friends and everything they're like dude leave it alone it's golden you're changing like two seconds you're trimming stuff down to two seconds you're good yeah and sometimes mm-hmm. you go down a hole you gotta get pulled out of it and then celebrate yeah mm-hmm. so sometimes as a creator you have to like you have to Done. know when it's you have to know when it's finished you can't mm-hmm. you can't keep playing with it you got to you gotta at some point you have to stop and be like, okay, this is done. If yeah. I touch it anymore, it's gonna be destroyed. Well, and that's yeah. the hard part too, because you say, you know, you can't keep playing with it. The problem is you can keep playing with it indefinitely, right? You can but, you shouldn't. <laughs> but you know, shouldn't. Yeah. I know, I know, I know. Uh, I'm saying like it's very difficult to know when it's done, and it yeah. is possible that you could improve it by tweaking one or two little things, but. Um, it's kind of like a give and take, you know? Um, how much time would you have to give to get that improvement? And would that improvement be worth it? And if it's more worth your time and sanity to say this is done and to move on to your next thing, right? Where you can use what you've learned to make something better than to spend all your time trying to make this one thing the best thing ever. Yeah. 
you know, yeah. sometimes it's more worth your time to move on than it is to stay and try to tweak something for and, the rest of your life. And the thing about mm -hmm. that is that whenever, whenever you're in that, like you're at the end, but you're still tweaking, even though you don't really need to, the thing mm -hmm. about that is that you're in the mindset of, I have to make this thing perfect. And that's what makes it hard is that you can't make it perfect. Yeah, Nothing is perfect. You're never going to, yeah. You're never going to make something yeah. perfect. And, and that's yeah. what you have to understand in order to stop. Yeah. And you're always going to see issues with your thing that nobody else on the planet yeah. sees. And you're, yeah. you look at Local Hero, you told me all these problems that you had with Local Hero. Honestly, I think Local Hero is good. Like, okay. Thank <laughs> you. I think it's really good. And Aaron Thanks, looks man. at his older soundtracks, including Local Hero, and think they, they would be bad. Yeah. Um, or not that they're bad, but that like you wouldn't do it that way, kind of thing. Yeah, and you—that's that's, that's uh, part of life. Like you grow yeah. in general, and you're gonna be a different person in a year from who you are now. Mm -hmm. but, and so, I mean, that's looking back with your art. You know, you're gonna be a different artist in a way. You're gonna be growing. You know, yeah. you start off. It's kind of like a caterpillar turning into a butterfly or something. Yeah. You know. But, <laughs> yeah. My my point is the thing that you've got to remember is that you because you're always improving, you think that your previous stuff is bad, but most, most yep. of the people who watch your stuff don't think that. Yeah. Because nobody, nobody goes looking up short films on YouTube, wanting to hate them. I yeah. say that knowing that I've been in a watch together, watching like very amateur fan films. Just, oh <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, I'm part of the problem. No, you're good, man. Um, but, yeah, but, then, man, I... but then you find one where you see like it's very amateurish but there's a huge amount of effort put in and you're like wow this is yeah. very pleasantly surprised right yeah. people don't want to dislike things yeah yeah so, unless you're star wars fans but yeah, that's uh... a different conversation for another day conversation for another day um it well kevin yeah kevin mm -hmm. before we quit this before we end how is it to finish uh, a pro a film or a poster or a product that you've done how does that feel what the process well the worst part of making posters is that you don't know you're done until the client tells you you're done <laughs> yeah it's all a matter of okay if they don't like this i have to go back in and change it however they like until they say that's good then you gotta keep open to the fact that you're probably gonna still be working on this I don't in a week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But most of the time it's just a case of okay, tweak this one little thing, make this text look a bit cleaner. But yeah, you know, just don't don't have that moment of relief until you see that message saying, I got it, it looks great. Uh, <laughs> payment in the mail. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's that's weird. That's weird actually because I mean that makes perfect sense, but from from my perspective, I've I've never personally experienced uh, that kind of thing because you know it's just totally different uh, art form. I guess. Yeah. But yeah, that sounds very alien to me. Yeah, that um, sounds better than what we have to go through with that. I don't we got that. Uh, personally, for me, um, it's, it's that funny. sounds better. Uh, Kevin, you use you use the word uh, client, mm -hmm. and um. It's it's funny you said it made me think about how I I hate that word, I hate calling <laughs> I hate calling people that I work with my clients because it's just like 
It and, sounds and I don't know, professional there's, there's to me, like, though. It sounds professional, but it makes me personally feel, like, distant from who I'm working with. Uh, and I'd rather feel, like, right there with them, you know, like we're friends, almost. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'd rather become friends with them than just work on it and then, you know, see you later, client. Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyways, that's not the point. I just thought I'd... for the poster creation? What yeah, did you say? I use that for... um. It's more of an amb- ambiguity term, more than you know, if I'm re- like know this person really well or not. Because I'll yeah, call you're in a client, just because I want to say, hey, I'm working on this for a friend. Because then we're like, you know, oh, can that's you make true, me yeah. something? Oh, no, it's like no, yeah, it's like, I'm your friend. I'm like no, this is this is this is for. Yeah, but Aaron's a better friend. <laughs> 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 that would be an awkward conversation. Yeah. <laughs> Oh man, well that was a fun chat, guys. I'm really glad we all did this um, yeah. spontaneous podcast. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, guys, thanks for joining. Uh, thank you again, uh, Kevin, for being with us, and Adam and Aaron. Um, it was really fun to just get together and talk, and um, I really appreciate the the conversation we had, guys. And I hope. You guys out there enjoy it too. And uh, well, that was the first episode of Sneak Peek Film Talks. Um, so until next week or next year, or however this quarantine and everything goes, whenever we get to it, um, have a good, uh, good morning, evening, and night. After I guess. You. Yeah. What? What? Say it. Do it properly. Do the Truman. What? Do do the Truman. Oh, geez, I never saw that movie. Oh, you've never seen the Truman Show? (laughs) Um, Good morning, afternoon, evening, or night? I don't know. We're going to end it on that note. (laughs) All right. We lost all our credibility with that one. Yeah, we lost. We got to delete the podcast. Sorry, guys.